0: You are listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. For this new episode of JBC Connect, I wanted to focus on something I had recently read in the news that is actually not too far from where JBC resides. If you had heard uh, this past Sunday at Cal Anderson Park, uh, Sean Foyt, who is known as a worship leader and a political activist, had a worship concert event in front of hundreds of people. and. It was called a part of a movement he dubs Riots to Revival. For some of you who don't know, Sean Foyt is a worship leader and closely connected to Bethel Reading, which is known as a charismatic uh, church and really known for its music. And its music is influential in churches across denominations with a strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And the whole point of Riots to Revival was to basically flip the script in cities with protests and riots by bringing in prayer, music, and acts of kindness. Of course, uh, with hundreds of people tightly packed together and singing, this was in direct violation of the governor's order of not having religious events, over 50 people, uh, in outdoor spaces. And... um, if you do have an outdoor event they must be socially distanced and none of those things were happening with this. Uh, and if you go a little further back in the news this was actually also done on the previous Saturday where they had another large gathering of rights to Revival and it sounded like there could have been thousands in attendance with a similar approach to gathering uh, without any protective uh, protective gear on. And I'm very cautious to talk about this because I am deeply indebted to worship music. Um, I've been a worship pastor uh, in the past, and worship music is very important to me, and it plays a really important part in my life and my spiritual formation. Indeed, I've sung the songs from Bethel Church, uh, songs probably connected to Sean Foyt in the past. But there was something just very painful in me when I saw this gathering. And I want to just unpack it a little bit. And what was helpful was um, when I was going through social media, just seeing the different responses to this event from my friends across different Christian traditions, someone had brought up a scripture from Amos, and particularly the translation from the message that really spoke to me about what I think I was feeling. And if you read in Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, We read this from the prophet. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me, do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Now I think it gets tricky when uh, we I, we, we try to talk about the family of God, because it's diverse and there's many different theologies, there's different, many different approaches. But I think there's something really important to hear in the prophet Amos, in how when people gather in Christ's name, we have to think about why we're gathering, who are we gathering for, and the fruit of what is exposed from when we gather is going to really reveal what we're all about. And the prophet Amos is talking to the people of God in a time when the people of God had many gatherings, had many religious events, but their hearts were far from God. They had many gatherings and great zeal for it, but they had kind of forgotten the reason of why they were gathering. And in particular, God was saying, you can say that you're worshiping me, but if you're not demonstrating justice in your lifestyle, if you're not remembering the fatherless and the widow, If you're not identifying the places where your neighbor is being wronged, then the worship becomes empty. And indeed, this echoes what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, where he continues to talk about how we can do many acts, and if it's not in love, then then it adds to nothing. In fact, it can be just a lot of noise unto God. I wonder sometimes at church, we can have such zeal for God that we forget God in the process. I think of the Apostle Paul who had great zeal for God, and in his zeal for God, he persecuted many Christians when the movement of Christianity was forming. And it took God to basically knock Paul off of his course and say, why are you persecuting me? And we do this often in the churches that we get so zealous for the idea of God or the concept of God or things about God that we forget what is actually on God's heart. It's sort of like getting so anxious to give a gift for your loved one that you're so excited about the gift, but you've forgotten if your loved one actually appreciates this gift or not. And as we read in this translation, which I really love, is that God speaks plainly into the people of God and says, do you know what I want? Do you know what I want? And I want justice. I want oceans of it. I wonder sometimes when we gather with great zeal, and that's something I don't question about Sean Foyt and the people who gathered in that place. They must have had great zeal for God. But at what cost? Of gathering together, without safety, without thinking of how they would be impacting the city of Seattle with um these uh in the way in which they gathered unprotected corporate singing, close quarters and this continues to see I uh, see this disconnect in a lot of what we're doing in uh in many modern churches is that we have such great zeal for the idea of God, but we're not really asking like what is on God's heart. And that's something that I want to challenge all of us, and myself included, to think about as we pursue God passionately, as we seek what would reveal God's goodness and grace most clearly to the world around us, what would glorify God most, we can't get so caught up in that that we forget actually what does God desire, what is on God's heart. To just kind of close this reflection, I was thinking a bit about another revival that had happened through worship music many years ago, and it was this movement in the United Kingdom called Soul Survivor, and it was this gathering that gained a lot of momentum, and a lot of the quote cutting-edge worship leaders at the time were starting to gather there, and one of them was Matt Redman, and Matt Redman recalls a time where he felt that the excitement. And the fervor about gathering in God's name and the fervor to sing God's song and corporate worship was just taking off to an extent where he began to wonder if people had forgotten the heart of worship. And so during this time, what happened was the leader of uh, Soul Survivor at the time, Lou Giglio, he had asked everyone to stop singing, because it had just felt like they had missed missed God somehow. And it was a strange thing, because Soul Survivor was known for their music, and that's why people would come from far and wide to visit Soul Survivor. And for a long period, they began to just stop singing. And in this time, Matt Redman wrote this song called The Heart of Worship. And if you don't know the song, the song begins like this. When the music fades and all is stripped away, And I simply come. And I wonder if we as a group need to get back to that heart of worship. Sometimes we are eager to bring the song. But as the song says, I'll bring you more than a song. Because that's not what you require. You look much deeper within. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you. And as we gather to worship, as we gather in Christ's name, let's ask that hard and beautiful question. Is God, what do you love? What do you love? And may it be that what God loves is what we love. And I hope that is always on your heart as well. Amen.